Hello and welcome to another fresh episode of Football Furioso Soccer at the Speed of Sound. I am your host, Norris Howard, joined by my blood brother, Nolan the Wingback. What's happening, man? Hey, match week two, getting into it now. We getting deep into it, but before we talk about the Premier League, we must congratulate the country of Spain, the yeah. Women's World Cup champion Spain. In spite of all the controversy surrounding that team, Spain ends up world champions, only the second country in the history of Everdom for the men's and women's teams to win the World Cup. Germany is the only other nation to do it. Nolan, talk a little bit about this match. I mean, Spain came out. It was closer than it should have been, but I'm going to say this right now. It ain't coming home. It didn't come home. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't come home. Uh, no, it was honestly a pretty, it, it was a good ebb and flow to the to the match. Um, Spain definitely got a foothold in it early, a lot of possession. Um, they, we did have a couple of chances from England early in the match, went off the crossbar. And, I mean, they, they were up to it. I just think that Spain, the second half, started to take control. Bamadi had a couple of shots that were close to really make it 2-0 and kind of put it out, out of... Um, out of reach but it was a good it was a good game especially from Paraluelo. <laughs> yeah i mean she is she's a talent man she is a talent and and come i just found this out watching that match and listening back to a lot of the commentary around the match she didn't even play soccer at a, a top level until like two years ago mm-hmm. she ran track uh up until <laughs> two like two years ago i'm sitting back like wait a minute hold on this is is this testament to Spain's system to be able to teach somebody this level of skill in two years or or however? Or is she just that naturally gifted? And I'm leaning on naturally gifted. I think naturally gifted. Yeah, but uh, Carmona uh, gets the winning goal in the first half. Great shot from the left-hand side at about the 29th, 30th minute to make it 1-0. The scoreline stayed that way until the end, uh, and Spain ends up world champions. And by the way, very tragic, Carmona's dad passed away the same day. Yeah. And the team, you know, her team and her friends didn't tell her until after the match. And uh, just, you know, very bittersweet for for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she's reached the mountaintop, and uh, Spain... Uh, finally walked away with that with that World Cup win. Uh, one thing I will say, just a, just a caveat on this, and, and I say in spite of the drama around this team, Spain is a team that had a lot of issues with their coach and with the Spanish FA. Uh, they were unhappy with uh, the training conditions, unhappy with um, some of the methods that the coach would have. Apparently, uh, I heard... Uh, from some other outlets that he would like demand that they all leave their doors unlocked so he yeah, could walk in and check on them at any moment and like go through their stuff and make sure they weren't buying like contraband or like overeating and just really creepy stuff yeah. that's just unnecessary and I feel like they've won in spite of that. In mm-hmm. the celebrations, there was further controversy because the president of the FA kissed one of the players and the player yep. didn't like it. And <laughs> it, it's just completely ridiculous, some of the stuff that the Spanish leadership has done. And it feels almost bad that they're going to walk away with this win and they're going to wear this as a badge of honor, especially considering that these women and these players have gone out and they've they've basically turn the other cheek to all the foolishness because almost 15 players walked out mm-hmm. and only 
two or three return, you know, uh, uh, Alexia, Alexia Puteas was one of the players who wasn't going to play. She returned. Bon Mati was one of the players who walked out initially. She returned. Without these players, I'm not sure if they would have won the World Cup. Well, definitely without Bon Mati, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But uh, they just, they, they, <sighs> in spite of very creepy, weird stuff, they won the World Cup. Yeah. And we can't help. We can't do anything but praise And, and it's really just shout out to the women. I just think that regardless of all of that, they went out, they showed up for each other. And you could tell in the celebrations how much that it means to them and to the country. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to take a very, very quick break with that said. And we're going to go into week two of the Premier League. Stick around. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Football Furioso Soccer at the Speed of Sound. The Premier League is now fully engaged, and we are into week two of the Premier League season, and we are going to start with Arsenal. Their match uh, went down early or late into the week, excuse me. They had the Monday match where they faced up against Crystal Palace. They ended up winning 1-0, but not only that does not tell the story of this match, does it? It does not. Um, Arsenal showed up with similar lineup to their first match um, where they won. It was a good ebb and flow to this game as well. Um, and Ketia got some early chances. One of them hit the post. One of them, he tried to flick over the goalkeeper that went wide. Um, but it was really just a, a couple of terrible minutes early in the half, especially from um, Saliba, who got Edward in early, uh, about 35th minute mark, and was almost a possible penalty there, which we'll get into some refereeing a little bit later. But the first half was pretty even. I like Crystal Palace's energy um, early on. Um, and then early in the second half, uh, Arsenal was able to get a penalty from Enketia. Nice set piece play, which really led into, ended up being the final score. But that time in the second half, there was a lot of refereeing and a lot um, at that time, especially with Tomiyasu being sent off. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about that. So, you know, I want to talk first about Crystal Palace. I actually think they were set up well against Arsenal, kind of especially in the beginning of that second half, because in the first half it was dominant from Arsenal. Obviously, in Ketty, if he puts away his chances, we're talking about a very different match. But uh, I want to highlight two players, and the first player I want to highlight is Declan Rice. Mm-hmm. If you watch this guy... In the match he had, I mean, he bossed that midfield box to box. He was putting in balls. He was making tackles. Recovery rate was amazing. Yep. Committed no fouls. It's crazy. Insanity. Box to box. Box to box, man. Put in, you know, uh, the, you talked about the Enkedia second chance where he flicks it wide of the net. That ball was put in from Declan Rice. Mm-hmm. Split the defense. Absolutely master class in the midfield from Declan Rice. This was the first match. Now, obviously, the others are preseason. Then we only had one other match today, or excuse me, not today, but this match, we saw why Declan Rice was worth all that money. Yep. And I think in this setup, in this type of team, he's going to get those kinds of opportunities to to make creative uh, plays and, and, and to be a force in that box-to-box role. So I want to highlight Declan Rice. But moving forward, is, you know, when it comes to Arsenal and how they were playing and how the refereeing decisions were affecting the game, uh, because the the second yellow, on, first of all, the first yellow on Tomiyasu was ridiculous. Yes, it was. Because it was, and I don't, I'm not going to say that often, but the first yellow was crazy 
because it actually was Ben White who didn't throw the ball in. It was time wasted. Mm-hmm. But Tomiyasu got the yellow card, which I have no idea why that's the decision. And then in the second yellow card, he barely touches IU. IU goes to ground because there's no tug on the jersey. There's nothing. He literally just has his hand on IU's back. Which is legal. Which is legal. <laughs> and IU just falls over. So instead of IU getting the yellow for simulation, Tomiyasu gets the second yellow card. And they go down 10 men and have to play for almost 25 minutes with 10 men. Now, I'll say this. Arsenal in the past would have lost that game. Yes. It wouldn't have been a draw. They would have lost. Yep. But with the new defensive base that they have, they made wholesale changes to the formation and to the personnel. They brought in Kiwior. They brought in Jorginho. They brought in Zinchenko. Everybody, or they brought in uh, Gabrielle. Seeing that team on the pitch to be able to lock down, control the ball, creative passing, that let me know that if Arsenal can win those types of matches, it's going to be very hard to beat this team. Yeah, and I think to add on, I think it's almost like a credit to Crystal Palace a little bit because they were able to bring it to them. And I think they were able to gel a little bit and see that they can play for each other and see how the team may try to break them down in the future, especially if they have that back line. And even with the Partey, um, as they got into the goal, kind of got around them a little bit between two defenders, went down yeah, 50-50 a little bit. Yeah. We've seen it called, of course. But I think it was important to have those moments where they, they do have their back in so well, at least in match week two. You know, you, you don't expect every game to be you know, just flowing fully for Arsenal, for them to just win. You want sometimes games like this, at least early, to kind of get these out of the way and say, okay, we can maybe survive with 10 men. It's what we can do in the future. So I think it's big. Yeah, I think it's big as well. Now, moving forward, Man City versus Newcastle. Very quick note on this one. Pep Guardiola will be out for about a month. He had to go and get back surgery. I don't know. But (laughs) he had to go and get back surgery, so he'll be out. That's a huge loss. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for Manchester City, uh, but they go against Newcastle over the past week, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to be honest here. This told me more about City than it did about Newcastle, and here's what I'm going to say about this. is because Newcastle, again, same lineup. They didn't have to shift many things around. We kind of know they're starting 11. They, they kind of have the team that's going to be the team, um, but they couldn't get into this match. Uh, obviously, I, I, I'll say this. I think Newcastle could have did a little bit more up front, but we're still talking about some fantastic players in that back line for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guardio ended up playing this match. He got his first home start. But what this showed me uh, about this Manchester City team is that Phil Foden and Julian Alvarez are going to have to step up in the absence of Kevin De Bruyne. They did this match, but I'm not sure if week over week, every week, you want to depend on those two guys. Right. Especially not when you got the Norwegian Terminator up top. (laughs) We didn't see much from him in this match. And I actually think Newcastle did a phenomenal job at locking down Holland, he really did not get a lot going in this match, and it was it was up to the midfield and, and Grealish on that left hand side to try to create. Um, but I think when you got a team like a Arsenal or even like a Liverpool that has wingers that are going to be able to cut through you, 
in the midfield that they're going to be able to pass those balls through you. If Manchester City does not get this locked down quickly, they may be in trouble. Yeah, I agree. I think that this match was a little shaky from City, whereas you would think that they would at least maybe look a little bit more dominant. Like you said, Foden, Ulian Alvarez looked good. Foden played more of that central role, um, almost trying to facilitate out to the wings. You had Grudis seeming to be an inverted winger, kind of allowing everyone else to push up like Rodri, Kovacic, to join the attack a little bit. Um, but I agree with you. I think that they have to figure out how to stay on that front foot, get a lot of those balls in the high line. I would even think that high line might even have to drop back in a little bit and kind of create that play because it's not he, gonna does, happen. he does draw players, though. It's not you know, going to happen. I don't think it will, but I think if he can draw those players out, you really it can think, help him. You really think Erlen high line is going to drop into the midfield and no. play with his back to goal? No, 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 not at all. I just think that he draws players in. I think it can help others come through. How If how Foden is cutting out how they're making those plays. He's going to get his goals. He's going to be in the box. I don't expect him to not be in the box to be that target, man. I just think that that's what's going to happen without Kevin De Bruyne. All right. I mean, listen, I, like I said, I think, you know, obviously, and let's not poo-poo Newcastle. This is a Champions League team. Mm -hmm. They're very well coached. Uh, I just expected a little bit more from them. Yeah. And this is kind of one of the issues that I saw with Newcastle was that I feel like they have a lot of dynamic players, but they don't have a lot of creative players. Right. So... Isak and Almiron couldn't necessarily get the balls in the positions that they wanted to get them in order to be in order to be threatening. And that's testament again to Kovacic and that Manchester City back line. So again, a win for Manchester City, but not a convincing win for Manchester City. Yep. And uh that's just very odd to say when we're used to them being so, so dominant. Uh, and moving forward into what ended up being the match of the weekend, in my opinion, yeah. Spurs versus Manchester United. Nolan, tell me what's going on with Manchester United. <sighs> Where to start? <laughs> I mean, I think the <laughs> I'm just going to go out and say it. Mount and Anthony, 150 million pounds spent wasted now they have a chance to turn it around of course i don't want to you know dog them like that but when you watch this match i mean their rating is so low mount doesn't look good or comfortable in the midfield anthony is dribbling in place ultimately being tackled and turning the ball over more times than not in recent memory um that's somewhere to start and i think that the the weirdest part about it is that rashford is playing more central but he's more comfortable on the left and you can see him being visibly frustrated the longer the game went on. He was throwing his arms in the air, turning around while the play is going back towards their own uh, defense. And I just start to look at the team and I say, you know, maybe there's a little bit more on Eric Tan Hag because it's all about the culture, I feel like. When you're at a club like Man you you have to set a culture. And I think that he set a culture of, hey, we're going to win. That was good at first. But now that he doesn't have all his players, doesn't have, you know, everything's not going right per se, I think that... What we're seeing now is a team that's being frustrated by not having ideas. Once they run out, it seems like Eric Ten Hag runs out of ideas. Yeah, and, you know, I looked at this match. Uh, a stat went up from the uh, NBC broadcast is that uh, nobody so far this season has been dribbled past more than Casemiro. <laughs> right. And I, th and, and, and I don't think that's because Casemiro is inherently a bad player. I think Casemiro is phenomenal. However... I think he gets no help from that midfield. Mason Mount is not 
the type of player that's going to help him out defensively. Nope. He's not. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I watched this match. And, by the way, I got to give credit to Spurs. Mm-hmm. Push Chicago had them boys playing. He did. They were full Change of energy. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> they were full of energy. They were full of ideas. They were dynamic. Sar and Basuma bossed it in that midfield. And, I mean, Bruno had no ideas. Yeah. He had no, no clear idea what to do. James Madison, as we said, already establishing himself as a key player for Spurs. Mm -hmm. He was pulling all the strings, sun out on that left-hand side. I mean, the goal that was scored from Saar, it was was perfect. It was so good. And it's just, it it was crazy to see Spurs not just playing this good, but playing this good against Manchester United. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm watching this Manchester United team, the more I'm saying, they, I'm not sure, and this is going to be crazy, and call, call me insane for saying this, <laughs> I'm not sure if they're talented enough right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they are either. I think, uh, to go back to the Sargo, talent in that also meaning communication. They have to be able to communicate with each other and understand both their strengths and weaknesses. On that goal, it was a cross that was crossed in. But if you watch, Bruno was there. Everyone was ball watching on that play. Sar came from the midfield. All the way ran through. No one said anything. No one said, hey, Casemiro, look behind you. Check your back. And he got right into a late ball in to score the goal. And I think that that's something that not only talent-wise, they're not good enough to, as the midfielders, come back, track back, communicate or even get on the ball but also it showed that they don't have the talent to even stop the cross to even just get in get a body in a way yeah and and, and, to, and what i mean by talent is like we all know rashford is good we all know anthony is good we all know all these players by themselves are good mm-hmm. as a unit they are not playing like talented players right and i'm not sure what's breaking down in the communication in this team mm-hmm. Right, I'm not sure if if because really, when you think about it, these are all the players from last season. Right there, there's not there's not really that many new folks, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm not quite sure. Mason Mount's the only new player really in the starting eleven, and our only goal is from Varane. <laughs> exactly, you know, and 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 Onana, who I can't really blame either goal right. on Onana. And I've already seen that in the British press, and we could talk about what you know, mm-hmm. what elements of that is that's all about. But we none of these goals so far have been on Nana's fault, right? They've been breakdowns in the midfield or breakdowns in the defense that had. Well, the second goal in this match was own goal, right? Uh, which was you know clipped off off Martinez. <laughs> what can you do? Silly, <laughs> but what what can you do? It's just I am I'm looking at United and I'm just I don't know what happens outside of Ten Hag making wholesale changes or doing something to light a fire under this team because what they've displayed in the first two matches is a team that is just not prepared, they're not communicating, and they're not living up to the potential that this team could be. They might need the hair dryer. <laughs> they might. They might, man. But anyway, that's going to be it for part one. In part two, we're going to talk about a team that spent even more money just to lose. We're going to talk, that's right, about Chelsea and their match against West Ham. Stick around. Football Furioso is coming right back.
everybody welcome back to football furioso norris howard your host here alongside nolan the wingback don't forget you can listen to us on spotify you listen to us on google Podcasts and apple Podcasts. and don't forget to uh hit me up on twitter at great laker nori uh you can and it's not twitter anymore x i'm calling it twitter i don't care uh <laughs> you can hit me up on twitter uh in the future, we'll ask Nolan for his social handles if you want to yell at him for his opinions. But that's where you can find me, at least. Nolan, yes. I have a question for you. All right. If you spend a billion dollars for a football team, for the talent, the players, how many goals in games do you think you should win out of the first two? <laughs> I expect at least six or seven goals, and I expect two wins. I expect to be in the top four. That hasn't happened for Chelsea. <laughs> they play West Ham, a team who, quiet as is kept, some people were talking about being pinned for relegation. Mm -hmm. They lose 3-1 to West Ham in a game that I'm going to be honest, they didn't really look in control of ever. Yep. Nolan, how does this happen? Well, I think when you watch the match and you look at the way Chelsea line up, there's there's just not enough there's not enough continuity between the team. You watch them go out there. Raheem Sterling had a pretty okay game. He took players on. He tried to get players into position in the box. Um, Chukwemeka did score a good goal. To, That's a to good tie individual it. goal, though. Exactly. Good individual goal to, to tie it 1-1, which I was starting to think, okay, maybe they're starting to get it together. Maybe they're starting to see that. They're starting to say, hey, we can still win games. And you just watched all the wheels fall off <laughs> from the rest of the game, you know. And I, it's good credit to West Ham. Let me not, you know. We're not, not dissing West yeah. Ham when we West say Ham this. West Ham came out in the second half and bossed them around, for lack of better words. Um, but, again, it's all the money spent. Nicholas Jackson could never get into the game. Trukumeka goes off hurt, the one who scored the goal. And you just watched everything fall apart. And, again, a billion dollars was spent. And you can't find a goal in the second half. Yeah, uh, so West Ham actually gave up a penalty in this game. Enzo steps up to try to take this penalty. Horrific penalty. Terrible penalty. I mean, right mm -hmm. at the uh, West Ham goalkeeper. I mean, it was it, it was just not good. But um, on top of that, their debutante for this game, Moises Caicedo, who is a player that I think everybody pretty much rates. Everybody mm -hmm. knows that this is a good player. But he comes on. And he literally has, uh, he plays for 37 minutes, eight losses of possession, two fouls, one shot off target, one error leading to a shot, and concedes a penalty. A hundred million dollars. hundred million dollars. Now listen, I'm not saying a player like that can't make good. One yeah. game is one game. We're, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, all games can be looked at that in a vacuum and, and anybody can have a bad game. But... It, it just it goes back to the sort of narrative around Chelsea and narrative around they spend all this money on these top flight players. You know, Mudrick comes in and he's just running at people and he, he still can't get anything on the end product. Uh, uh, we just talked about Caicedo. Reese James is not hurt. Nkuku's still hurt. Uh what is going to what is happening yeah and that's what i'm looking at here you know so i have some more numbers here since we're just throwing numbers at because this is what chelsea just want to do they want to throw numbers and money out you got enzo for 100 <laughs> you have enzo for 106 uh million pounds caicedo for 115 million broke the british record fee uh then they just added lavia 
I forgot about Lavia. Yeah. 58 million. And then right behind it, you have Mudrick, like we already talked about, Fofana for 75 million, Wesley Fofana. And then you have Mark Kukurea. Now, the goal that they were received in this game was from Chukwameka, who brought in for $20 million. So you're looking <laughs> at the top talent that they brought in for the top dollar, and they're barely getting anything outside of Enzo. And, of course, we're assuming Caicedo and all that can bring it together, but there's no end product. I ain't going to lie. I'm getting cooked. <sighs> Listen, all right, if you watch this match and you watch West Ham, the goal from Mikel Antonio comes from Diasi. Uh, yep. I'm hoping Desasi. Thank you so much. Desasi sloppy pass into the midfield gets picked off. They turn around, clip the ball right. I think it was Jared Bowen mm-hmm. clips the ball right into Mikel Antonio. He chests it down, half a move. Yep. Against uh, uh, it just. Just rifles it into the net. I mean, it is just root one football. Mm-hmm. It's just a giveaway in the midfield into a goal on the other end. And it's hilarious. It is. To watch. And 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 for me, you know, I know Chelsea fans out there, they don't want to be talked about. You know, and this has been one of the one of, if not the most successful uh team in Europe for England in the past decade. They've won multiple Premier League championships over the past decade. This is a team that has the history to be, at least in the past decade, to be competitive. But what we're seeing right now is a complete and utter cultural and financial implosion of a club. You cannot spend this much money and not get results. Yeah, and I think that, it will sound like we're all kind of ragging on them because, of course, all the media are, are on Chelsea. But you have to think, two years ago, this was a team that won Champions League. Then they come back. Obviously, they lose a couple of the injuries, start to have the bad seasons. You get rid of the managers. You bring in Todd Bowley. And then he just spends money with no end product. That's the only reason, you know, we're just kind of talking about because it's something we've never seen before. Yeah. Only thing I'll say is Chelsea is blessed by the scheduled gods. Yes. They have to face Luton Town, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, Villa, Fulham, and Burnley in their next run of matches. They won't face another top uh, top six club or big six club until October 21st when they face Arsenal. That is time. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, you had a rough couple weeks. It's time. This is the run for you to be able to play, build the confidence, be able to get some of those young players like Nicholas Jackson started. Maybe Mudrick can finally score. Maybe Enzo can boss the midfield for a couple games. This is the moment. But if they drop points to the likes of Nottingham Forest or Bournemouth, Luton, <laughs> I think Villa will beat them. Yeah, I, I think Villa is a better team than them, mm-hmm. and we're going to move on to Villa really, really soon. But um, if they don't pick up, those points from that run of matches, they are in big trouble. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. In big trouble. So, moving forward, Aston Villa versus Everton. They took all their anger from week one out. <laughs> all the anger and everything they built up from uh, getting walloped by Newcastle. They took it out on Everton, boy, because they completely just massacred these boys. Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to look at Villa Park as, as a fortress. You know, that they won eight consecutive Premier League matches there. Yeah. Seems like no one really wants to go there. And now, granted, it's Everton, which we'll get to them in a second. But, I mean, they played really well. And honestly, the first game, they they 
they had the ideas in the first match. So they brought him into this match as well. And I think that John McGinn did good. Um, Douglas Luis scored shortly after him to make it 2-0, um, you know, early into the second half. Leon Bailey. Uh, Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey. Man yo. of the match. <laughs> what a phenomenal player. And, and you know, I love I loved the partnership that he does have with Musa Diaby. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is they are former Leverkusen uh, uh, teammates. But... What I love about Leon Bailey is the directness. Yes. I mean, you know what he's about to do. And every now and then, you just love a player like that. Mm-hmm. Where he gets the ball, he's about to run. Yep. <laughs> he's about to run at him. <laughs> he's about to run. I yep. don't know what else you think this is. But he just has such an effective uh, 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 aura on the match. He was always a threat, always progressive, always positive. And I love to see that in a player. And the thing is, is Villa... Everton was so hapless. I, I always love this. I always love when a team can score from a throw-in mm-hmm. because that just shows me that nobody from the other team is paying attention. Yep. Because a, th- a throw-in is like it's slow. It's usually lofty. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you? Do? They score from a throw-in. A throw-in, and that he jumped on it. Honestly, the defender could have got on. I don't know what Ashley Young is thinking there. He's a veteran. <laughs> Ashley Young is 188 years old. What he's supposed to do? I know, just throw it in the middle of the park somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about Everton because I, I think Villa, again, is a team we're going to be talking a lot about this season. But I want to talk about Everton. Mm. This is a team that barely stayed up. It took the last day, the final day for them to stay up. They are in turmoil from, you know, the leadership of the club. They're not gonna. This is the last season at Goodison Park, so there's a lot of emotions riding on this season. But I look at Everton and I say I have no clue how this team is gonna stay up. Yeah. Especially when I'm looking at you know we saw Burnley. Burnley is a team that will get wins, right? Wolves were a team slated to go down. They also got walloped by Brighton. We'll talk about that. But they're a team that I think they'll be able to put together even if not wins, to take points off some teams, especially in mid-table. You know, take points off Fulham. Take points off uh, 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 Palace. Take Mm -hmm. points off those kinds of teams. When I look at Everton, I don't see a team that's going to be able to beat anyone. Nope. I don't see a team, you know, Calvert-Lewin, can't stay healthy to save his life, got busted in the face. Yeah, in the cheekbone. (laughs) In in the cheekbone, probably going to be out for a number of weeks while that heals. We don't really have any information on that. Uh, But this this team just looks like they're not at levels. Yep. They're not at levels. And I know they got Sean Dyche, who I think is, is actually a very talented coach and I think is really great at establishing an identity for his team. I don't think this team wants to play that way. Yeah. I don't think this team wants to play in the way that Sean Dyche wants to play. And I think that spills over into onto the pitch and they just look hapless, man. Yeah. And I think that, you know, everything you said, spot on. I think they're going to be in a relegation battle for, honestly, most of the season. I know it's only match week two. But, you know, their next game is at Wolves. They have to pick up something, a point, let alone a win. They're at home against Wolves. But after that, it doesn't get easier. They have Sheffield I think Wolves United. will win. Yeah. I think Wolves will beat them. I do, too. But you look at the next one, they have Sheffield United away, who are just not an easy place to go to. Then you have Arsenal. Lost. Then they have Brentford. Lost. Luton. Draw. Bournemouth. But then they have Liverpool, West Ham, and Brighton. So by Christmas, they probably will have eight points. Yeah. <laughs> well into the relegation zone. So it, 
I mean, I don't know what would honestly happen if they go into the next season with a new stadium in the championship. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Moving on. Nolan, do you know who's top of the table? I think it's Brighton. Brighton and Hove Albion. That's right. They beat Wolves. Man, Brighton I, look good, they look man. Good. I don't know. They Brighton look good. You know, and here, here's the thing. I think if I think if Brighton keep playing the way they're playing, and I'ma just I'ma just keep it 100 with you. Brighton keep playing the way they're playing, and United keeps playing the way they're playing. Brighton might mess around and make it into the Champions League. Yes. <laughs> the Brighton and Hove Albion <laughs> when the Amex Stadium. <laughs> Can you imagine it? That would be wild, but they're playing Champions League caliber football. Mm-hmm. And, and don't get me wrong, their first two opponents have been Wolves and uh, and Luton Town. Mm-hmm. But when you have two matches like that, it puts you high on confidence. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love to see some of the players that they have. And let's say this right now. Matoma has put in a goal of the season goal already in week two. It's a candidate. Yep. It's a candidate. Yeah. And I think Matoma, honestly, to this point, hot take here, I really think Matoma is going to end up being a top winger in the Premier League, at least this season. Um, I think it's not a slump from last season. We kind of saw him show that spark last season. He really egged them on to where they are now. But I think now he's starting to kind of boss it around over there. And it's impressive how he he gets the ball, he turns. His foot is forward all the time. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter the defender. I think that that's what you want to see out of a winger. When you see him turn and get on the ball, that's what's most dangerous. Yeah. I think with Matoma, what, what makes him such a threat isn't necessarily just the speed isn't necessarily the dribbling ability, but I think it's I think it's his eye for anything happening in the box. Because mm-hmm. obviously you talk about wingers. Wingers, you want wingers to dart in and you want them to score. But I think what I love about what Matoma does is his ability to score or provide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had 10 goals last season. I think if he can improve on that, if, and the thing is he's going up against some hell of a players mm-hmm. in left wing. If we're talking about... You know, oh, who's the best left wing? Okay, you got to talk about Jack Grealish. You got to talk about Martinelli, who had 15 goals last season. You got to talk about a lot of players coming off that left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Matoma will be in that conversation, especially yeah. if they keep playing like this. Deserby has them playing some dynamic, I mean, swashbuckling football. They look good. Sully March came, uh, came in two goals in five minutes, almost had a hat trick. <laughs> And stupid Yan got a goal from dude when you when your left back is getting goals. Yeah, it's a total it's a total performance. It's a total performance, man. So I, I think I think Brighton looked really good. I think looking at Liverpool, who by the way also won over over Bournemouth uh during the during the week, you know, questionable refereeing in that match as well. Mm-hmm. But if you look at these teams and you look at these bubble teams, I, I think as it stands right now, you peg City and Arsenal to kind of be the lock-ins for Champions League. But when you look at those other two slots and who can make it, sure, Liverpool probably improves and gets up there. But who gets that last slot? Because United is not playing in a, in a you know manner that United could probably play. Uh, Newcastle, maybe. They look good, but maybe. You look at Brighton, Brighton are going to be right there in that conversation and that sort of five-team roulette between uh, United, Brighton, Villa, 
Uh, 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 Maybe who, even Spurs. <laughs> they can I keep doubt it, up. it. I doubt it. If they can keep I it, I doubt up. it. I doubt it. Not in the five spot, uh, but just, uh, in Newcastle. Yeah, New, Newcastle in you know. All right, maybe Spurs, but I doubt it. Uh, Wolves here, Wolves, not much to talk about. Again, very, very, very poor performance. Cunha, you know, he still looks good. I think he's going to be on a lot of teams' radars right now mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a danger man. Uh, Huang Hee-Chan did score uh, to bring them back. Do you think he should be starting, Nolan? I think it's time. I think that if you don't have any ideas, you're starting to look at how they're lining up. I think just give them a chance. Give them a run. Give them a, give them a run. Play Everton next. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> give them a run out. Give them a run out against Everton. But I want to ask Nolan one quick question before we fade out. And it's that we're we're two weeks now, and some of the teams are starting to sort of reveal themselves. What is your biggest, besides Brighton, sort of what is your biggest surprise from the season, the first two weeks of the season? Um, well, not talk about the same team. So I think what I will say, I do believe that Spurs, honestly, I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of them, you know, just as a fan myself of football. But I think what's going to be very interesting is when I look at that place as a, as a stadium, when I think about the team itself, I think that's a place that if I see games there, if I see those, those marquee matchups there, I think those honestly will be fun matchups this year, whereas you had Antonio Conte there starting last year. It's kind of boring. So I just think that they're honestly surprised where it's like, hey, you get a certain matchup there. It might be fun this year. Yeah, it might be fun at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this year. But that's going to be that for Football Furioso. And don't forget, this is soccer at the speed of sound. We will be back next week to talk more Premier League football. And you know what? I think we might take a chance. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some things that have been happening around Europe because Kristen Pulisic on fire at Milan in Italy. He's doing well. He is. 